welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, my friends. If you want to find your Bibles, find your seats, find your friends, find something. That uh, would be great. I hate to break up a good thing. I hate to break up a party. Um, welcome to you. Glad you're here. If you don't have a Bible, you, you'll want to find one. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Last week I was sailing in the Apostle Islands uh, with some friends. That was a lot of fun. I've done that two years now. Glad to not be in Davy Jones' locker, if any of you know what that means. It means I'm not dead. So that's good. Thanks to Jenna. Good work last week. Anias, Ananias and Sapphira. Well done, Ms. Daniels. And what proved to be the last of the Lost in Translation sermon series this year. So until we meet again, Lost in Translation, we'll see you next year. Which means we begin a new series this week called Eat This Book. And uh, the idea is, if you've been around when we take communion together, we celebrate the Eucharist, the kids come up to the front, and we give them a little bit of honey, and we say, may the word of God be like honey on your lips. Which is a reference to a blessing the rabbis used to give the little kids, which comes from Psalm 119, verse 103. The psalmist says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And so it's really, a, it's a blessing, but it's a prayer. May the word of God be like honey on our lips. The, uh, the hope is that God's word becomes something that is um, taken in, that we savor it, that we enjoy it, that, it is actually, that it's sweet, that it, um, it, it becomes a part of who we are. And so uh, Eat This Book is kind of an intentional walk through the story of the scriptures from beginning to end. So over the next school year, we'll begin at the beginning, we'll walk all the way through, you know, Israel and Torah and the prophets and the gospels and the epistles and all the way to the end. Uh, N.T. Wright calls it where God puts the world to rights uh, in the kingdom, the, the vision of the kingdom. And so uh, this is also, it's, it's based on and it's connected to what's called the narrative lectionary. If you are interested at all in where we're going to be going, you can look that up on the Google's narrative lectionary. It's at a Luther seminary. Um, and that was inspired by the revised common lectionary. Many of you are familiar with this, where each year the, the church has a, a letter A, B, or C, and there's four readings when you come to a, a gathering, a, a Torah reading, a psalm, a gospel, and an epistle, loosely. Uh, and so the idea being that in a year's course of time, you would hear the story of the scriptures, um, which is the power of the, the lectionary, but also that the, the church universal is doing something together, that we are not an island, we are not an isolated entity, but we're actually a part of a large tradition, a big swath of people who have said, let's follow this Jesus. And so we enter the stream, we enter the river in that way. So um, as we think about Awaken East and sort of sending out a group of people to be an outpost, a, another expression of Awaken in another part of the city, one of the questions we're asking is how do we stay together? How do we stay connected? And so the idea was that we would both be looking and studying this, uh, the narrative lectionary this year. So Dan and Awaken East are going to be starting with a series on vision and mission and values and that, but then in Advent will be joining us, and so we'll all be studying the same passages together. So that's where we're going to begin, Genesis chapter 1. Um, I'll invite you to turn there, and I'll begin this morning with a question and a quote. First the quote, then the question. The quote is this. We don't have a screen, so pay attention, my friends. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Human spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts about God. A.W. Tozer. 
First part again, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What's he saying? He's saying that how we imagine God, our picture of God, how we conceive of God in our minds shapes the kind of religion we'll practice or the community that we will be formed into and a part of. So if you imagine and conceive of a God that's vindictive and angry, his argument is that you will likely express your religious activities in a vindictive and angry tone, right? You're shaped by how you conceive of God. So how we conceive of God, what we think about God, the picture that we have of God, matters a great deal, according to Tozier, and I would firmly and wholeheartedly agree. So that's the quote. The question is, what's most true about God? Like, if you were to strip it all back, and you were to get rid of all the extraneous things, and you were to get to the, the essence of the divine, what's most true about God? Now, theologians have been thinking about this. Theology is the study of God. Theologians have been thinking about this for a very, very long time. Lots of people have their takes on it. And there are some that have kind of become standard among evangelical Christians or just Christians, Protestant Christians. Uh, One is found in the Westminster Catechism, if you're familiar with this. And when it's all said and done, there are 28 attributes about the character of God, which is ironic because one of them is infinite. Right? So... Why stop at 28? You know, how do you stop at 28 when you've got an infinite being, right? I mean, it's kind of a silly idea, and it sort of pokes fun at the idea that words are, they're inadequate, right? But they're all we have. Um, there's a math term called an asymptote, uh, which is just fun to say, but an asymptote is, uh, it's, it's a line on a graph that's all, it's infinitely approaching an axis but never reaching, Right? So it can always be getting closer, but never reaching. Words are asymptotic in nature, especially when we speak about God. They're helpful, but they never get to the real, they never get to the real, right? The pure. So here are some of the asymptotic words that the Westminster Catechism has about the nature of God. God is love. These are declarations about the essence of God. God is omnipotent, omnipotent, right? All-powerful. God is self-existent or self-sufficient. Uh, the, the word is aseity, and it's like God doesn't need us or is, is sufficient unto God's self. God is just. God is immutable, right? Unchangeable. Uh, God is merciful. God is good. God is gracious, filled with love, the psalmist says. God's omnipresent everywhere all the time. Nothing escapes the gaze of, isn't that like the Lord of the Rings? Nothing escapes the gaze of the great eye. I wonder where he got that. Um, God is sovereign. God is infinite. God is holy. God is trinity. God is faithful, right? Do you see what I'm saying? I could go on till I got to 28, but I won't. The point I want to make here is this. I've been studying theology since I was um, 19 years old. I studied the Bible and teenagers in undergrad, which is a great combo. And then in seminary, I studied the Bible again. And I've been doing this work of being a pastor for almost 20 years now. And what I find absolutely fascinating is nowhere in any of these lists does it explicitly say the first thing we learn about the nature of God in the Bible. Nobody says it. Nobody mentions it. The very first thing out of the gate that we learn about God, the character, the nature of this being called the divine, nobody mentions it. Stand, if you will, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We read this. In the beginning, 
God created. You may have a seat. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite sermons I ever preached was, These are the names. Exodus 1.1. <laughs> so I've been very excited for this one all week. In the beginning, God created. What we learn first out of the gate in the Bible about the nature and the character of God is that God, the divine, this divine being that we call God, is a creative impulse, energy, being. And I find it very fascinating that, find me a list that is reputable in terms of the character and the attributes of God. I don't know of any one of them that mentions explicitly the very first thing that we learn about God. Isn't that fascinating? I think it says a lot about how we read the Bible. And what becomes important is actually Genesis chapter 3 and on, because a lot of the characteristics of God are addressing the problem, or how God addresses the problem, which is sin, that's a sermon, that's a whole series, actually, for another time. But I find that fascinating. So what does it mean to say that what's most true about God, or one of the things that's most true about God, we could argue, for sure, the thing the Bible says first about God is that God is a creative being. That God loves to make. God loves to bring forth new things. God loves new beginnings. That you and I come from this. The very first thing we're told about God is that he's a creator. Someone asked me recently, like, Michael, when do you, what do you, what do you, uh, when do you feel most alive? Like, what lights you up on a day? When you, when you wake up in the morning and you know you get to do this, what is it that, like, fires you up? And I said, well, that's a great question. Absolutely, it begins in my cabana pants. Some of you are, are close enough to me to know what my cabana pants are. I'll just describe them to the rest of you, and you can decide if you ever want to see them. Uh, they are my sort of pajama pants. They're like a chalk blue and white pinstriped, like cabana pants. You'd see like a, somebody on a boat with Sperry topsiders and Panama in these pants. When I get to start a day in those babies, man, it is going to be hot. It's going to be a good one. And usually it moves from there, cup of coffee, that kind of thing, you know, anecdotal. But what, what it usually involves is me in my garage, like tinkering and building things, making things. When I know that I get to like, make something, it, it's a good day. And recently, you might be wondering, what the heck is that thing? Um, recently, I have been, I'm fascinated. This is a hand plane. This is a woodworker's tool. It's got a little blade in here. There's like five parts, but it's just infinitely adjustable. And this was built in 19, the patent on it is in like 1902. I found this at a, a, an antique store, and I restored it. And I just, which is a great process of patience. If you restore anything, it's like you just can't, st you can't skip steps, which I just really want to skip steps. I want to get to the end. But meticulously, like cleaning and, and repainting and, and adjusting and sanding, and I hold this thing in my hand, and I, this question of like, I wonder what this thing has made. Just keeps ringing in my head. Like, this thing's been around, it's seen both world wars. It's, my grandpa, like, wasn't born when this thing was made. Like, what has this built? What has this produced? What has it been a part of shaping and making in the world? I'm fascinated by that. So as we begin this series, and we 
stand on the precipice of launching this group of people into the world to, to create another expression of Awaken in another part of the city. I want to stop five words in. Because we find what is most true about God or what is said first about the nature of God is that God is a creator. Now, if you keep going in the Genesis story, you find God is, the poet describes God as this creative force, this energy that's speaking things into the world. And there's trees and there's lights and there's stars and there's the moon and the the heavens and, and the waters and the animals. And then on day six, we get to where we find the humans that were created, Adam and Eve. And it says in verse 26, let us make humans so that they are like us. Let them rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Let them rule over the livestock and all the wild animals. Let them rule over the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created human beings in his own likeness. He created them to be like himself. He created them as male and female. The story begins in five words in. What we find out about God is that God is a creator. God loves to make. It is, it's a part of the essence and the nature. The very center of God's being is this creative impulse. And you and I are fashioned, formed, made from this. Then one could argue that in every single human being, including you, is the impulse to make, the impulse to create, the impulse to participate in the ongoing, unfolding, becoming that we call life and planet Earth. Now, this is the point in the sermon when you might raise your hand and say, I would like to just suggest that I am not creative and I don't like Pinterest at all. In fact, I hate it. And I find no resonance in anyone that categorizes themselves as a creative person. Which is fine. I respect that. But this is the point in the sermon where I vehemently argue that you're wrong. I want to suggest the possibility that from the moment you wake up until the moment you go to sleep, you are participating in creative endeavors. You are participating in the bringing of new things into the world. To create, definitionally, means something was not, and then it was. It is not, and now it is. Creation is the thing that gets between the two to bring forth, to make, to build, to create. It wasn't, and now it is. Many of you make things every day. You make furniture, some of you. I've sat on it, it's lovely. Some of you make things that you actually sell at the marketplace. Uh, We call it the stock market or uh, retail stores. You actually create physical things with your hands. Uh, Some of you build homes, literally. You, You make like electrical systems and HVAC systems and plumbing systems and you It wasn't, and then it was. That is a creative impulse that you responded to and brought something forth into the world. That comes from somewhere, and I would argue it comes from the divine. Some of you create spaces every single day. You work with people who are hurting and broken and who are scared and who don't trust people, and you help create space for people to trust and for people to become whole again and for people to heal and for people to learn. Some of you are teachers. Every day you create spaces for kids to learn new things. It wasn't, now it is, and you did it. Parents in the room, you create every day. Some of you make meals that weren't, and now they are, and they nourish people. You may think that it's just Cheerios and milk, but those are two separate elements that have to be brought together (laughs) in a moment to be given to a child or an adult 40-year-old. You make every day. It's all you do. 
every impulse you have is connected to creation, something that wasn't, that now is. What is life if it's not that? So you argue, I'm not a creative person. I totally disagree with you, 100%. One of my favorite moments in the history of this church, I don't know if you know this, but my mother, my mother her name is Claudette, she usually sits over here, she's, she, she's, a part of, she's a member, she's a partner at Awaken. How cool is that? Didn't see that coming. She makes stuff all the time. She's, she's, she comes from a long line of women who sew and who knit and who crochet. Just beautiful things. Handmade, like, lovely hats and mittens. And she makes them for all her grandkids, of which there are a lot. And I said, Mom, would you ever want to be the artist in residence? And do you know what she said? I'm not an artist. Right? And I'm like, oh, Claudette. You, and, you know, so I'm framing this whole thing. I'm doing this whole thing at, at Colossal Cafe, and she kind of gets to the end of it, and she's like, I'm going to have to think about that, Micah. And she stood on the joke joint stage like three years ago, and she, I interviewed my mom as the artist in residence at Awaken because she, for the first time in her life, she connected the fact that deep inside of her, when she goes up to the North Shore, she sees these colors, and she reflected on that and found that those colors make their way into the things that she makes and gives to her grandkids. Like this divine gift of creation and beauty and wonder and delight somehow filters through her in her hands and then comes out in these beautiful handmade objects. Friends, every single moment of every day you are creating, you're participating in a creative process, and you love it. You just might not know it. All the kids running around here, all the babies, there's a lot of people that are creating, okay? <laughs> there's a lot of people making things, <laughs> right? What's most true about you as a human is you're a creative, you're a creator. That's a gift. It's not arbitrary. It's not random. Some people don't get it and others, some people, it's not that some people get it and some people don't. We all do. If you're an accountant and you take massive piles of information and you create systems by which those data points can be filtered down to something that's useful for someone else, you've made You've brought something into existence that wasn't and now is. Some of you create real estate transactions where a person didn't have a home and now they do, and there was a means by which that happened, and you did it. Everything we do is a creative impulse. So there are no non-creative people. Lawyers in the room, you're creating spaces. Everybody, doctors, plumbers, you see what I'm saying? I could keep going, but you're bored. I can see that in your eyes. What's most true about you and I is that we are made from God and God is a creator. The million dollar question is what are you making? That's my next Awaken t-shirt idea. If that ever happens, you'll know why. What are you making? Which is not a, it's not, it's a simple question, right? And it's very surface level. But it's tied to the idea of you have one wild and precious life. And you can invest that in certain directions based on choice. It's called free will. And you have it. And so you can choose to, to participate, to create, to take the intention or to take the, the trajectory of your life and the movement of your life and have intention behind it that's connected to God and God's nature or not. You choose. So what are you making? Are the things that your life produces, the moments, the spaces, the things, do they reflect the divine image from which you came from? Well, if we look at the poem further, we find God is doing things in a certain way. That when God makes, when God creates, it has like a pulse, it has an energy, it has a, a DNA. I'll just note a couple of them and then I'll wrap this up. One is that light always comes from darkness. 
The Spirit of God was hovering over the water, and God saw that the light was good and separated the light, drew it forth, created space for it, and brought it into the world from amidst the darkness. Now, of course, if you've studied Genesis 1 with me, you know the next question is, what is the light of day one? Because the sun, the moon, and the stars aren't created until day four, so what are we talking about in day one? That's another sermon for another day. But I will say this. If you want to take the intention, if you want to take your life and have intention behind the things that you're participating in and and that you're creating, and you want it to reflect God, I would argue that light comes from darkness when God's involved. And so creating in the spirit of God is an invitation to see the light of day one as God sees it, which is what? Here you go. If you take notes, you might want to write this one down. The ability to distinguish and name potential, energy, possibility, and goodness and to draw it out, make space for it, where it can flourish and become. What is the light of day one? What is God seeing in creation? I would argue it's potential, it's possibility, it's hope, it's wonder, it's delight, and God sees it and draws it out. God brings light from darkness. Does your creative impulse of your, does the creative impulse of your life sync up with that of bringing light from darkness? God's creating in scripture always brings order from chaos. Parents in the room, can I get an amen? Order from chaos, right? There was, the earth was formless and void and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Tohu vavohu is this Hebrew word. It's the formless and void, the chaos, the tumult. So the spirit of God, which is feminine in this verse, is hovering over the waters and brings order out of chaos. How many things in your life are out of order? How many things in our world are out of order? And it's not just the pinball machine at the arcade. All kinds of things are out of order, out of sync, off tilt, off kilter just a little bit. Kids who are in school systems where they have a very difficult time succeeding, this deck is stacked against them. That's chaos. What does it mean for the people of God to enter those spaces and to bring order out of chaos? Housing. Pick, a, pick a, a topic in our culture, and there's disorder, and what would it look like for the people of God who come from God to enter those spaces and to say, part of being a, a person who's made in the image of God is bringing order to chaos. Order to chaos. Last, I would just say, if God brings light from darkness and order from chaos, when God's involved, it's generative. When God makes what we find is that it's not a dead end. Meaning, it's not just for, it's not unto itself. It's not a zero-sum game. It's not the last link in the chain. When God makes and calls it good, there's always potential. There's the seeds of new life in it, right? This is what scripture calls tov, or good. When God creates and there's seeds of new life in it, and then creation gets involved to bring those seeds forth, with, with which, of course, with new seeds in it. This is good. It's like the perpetuity. It just keeps going. It's generative. So when God's involved, sacrificial love is driving the boat, and when sacrificial love is driving the boat, new things are made. The world is healed. You and I are changed. The only thing that's going to change you and me and the world that we live in is love, and that's what drives the impulse of God. Over and over and over again, we see it in Scripture. So what would it look like for you and for I, with our one precious life, to put it towards something and have what's driving it, the character, the value, the thing that's pushing it, sacrificial love, because it will generate. So maybe you're here this morning, 
and you're staying here at West 7th. Maybe you're here this morning and you're heading out on this new grand adventure to the wild, wild east. And I would say the same thing to each of you. May you come to know at the, to the tips of your toes that you were made from and for a creative God and that the very essence of who you are, every moment of every day, is participating in creative endeavors where something wasn't and then it was and you get to be in the middle of it. And so what are you making? We're sending out a group of people trusting and hoping and praying that what's made is beauty and wonder and delight and good news and and the gospel and resurrection and homes being restored and people being healed and people finding home and community. That's what we're hoping for. So what are you making? What are you making? Pray with me, if you will. I want to invite you to a moment of silence, and then we're going to move to uh, a time of commissioning and sending out our friends as we close. So pray with me. God, this morning as we gather uh, as your church uh, under one name, the name of Jesus, I hope and I pray that by your spirit you would uh, just bury deep within us the truth that we come from you that we are made in the image of a God that is a creative force and that deep in our bones we were made for and from creativity. And so I pray that the direction, the intent, the things that we're involved in, that we would do so with thought and with critical thinking skills and we would intend to point our lives in a certain direction that's connected with who you are and who you've made us to be. So Holy Spirit, impress on us now whatever it is that you want to say for us this morning, I pray. Would you join me in uh, extending a hand of blessing over these guys as we bless them? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said... Amen. Have fun out there, gang. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.